This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On this episode, I catch up with Ian O'Neill and Chris Ryan of Deer Tick. And Deer Tick, the long-running Providence, Rhode Island-based band, mainstays of the indie circuit and the Newport Folk Festival, which, of course, sadly was canceled this year, along with pretty much every other major event in the world in light of COVID-19. We have a conversation about the specific relationship that Deer Tick has had with the Folk Festival, their after parties, which this year, by the way, was supposed to be the final year of the Deer Tick after parties at Folk Fest, will be extended one more year, it looks like. We get into where the band's heading right now, and uh, we even discuss the quote-unquote live stream that was actually pre-recorded that'll air this Saturday night as part of the Digital Folk Fest weekend, Uh, not to mention a conversation on the music business, how it ties into the social justice conversation right now, how Deer Tick fits into that social justice conversation, um, the Providence and Newport, Rhode Island music scenes, and where do indie venues, smaller, mid-sized venues land after this pandemic. So it's an action-packed nearly half hour with Ian and Chris of Deer Tick. Thanks so much, as always, for joining in here on B-Town. And if you'd like to support the journalism opinion, analysis, and entertainment that the Bartholomew Town Podcast has become known for, you may become a B-Town Insider. Head over to patreon.com slash Bartholomew Town. You'll see a few different options for how you can support this program and receive exclusive content every month. Okay, without further ado, let's get right to it. Ian O'Neill and Chris Ryan of Deer Tick. All right, so we are here. We've got Ian and Chris from Deer Tick on like really kind of a, a a melancholy moment here as we enter into what should be next, you know, folk fest weekend. And here we are now with no folk festival and something we've known about for months. Obviously it's the right thing to do in the midst of the pandemic, but um, it's sad. You know, I know, I know a lot of people that performers, people who, who go every year, whatever may be staffers. And it's just sort of this void, but nonetheless, dear tick have, pre-recorded a um a stream that you can watch we'll, i'll put the link somewhere on this podcast uh performing outdoors at at an empty fort adams and ian what was that like i mean first of all it, you, you must feel that void deer tick is synonymous with folk fest at this point you know between the after parties and and everything else that you're involved with but with respect to the live stream does that kind of make up at least a little bit for the lack of a festival uh, I think it lets us still put put our imprint on this time of year in Rhode Island. Um, we're supposed to, this must be our last year doing our after parties, which we're going to have to push to next year. Um, but yeah, uh, I, it felt really good just to play with my friends and it felt really good to have something to give to people and to um, be able to interact in the, this is the best way we can right now. Um, and I got to thank the folk fest for making it look so nice. Um, but yeah, it was really, really fun just to play. There was right before that and right and after after it was kind of just a stressful environment because of COVID-19. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's flying by the seat of their pants. But um, Chris had to deal with some technical difficulty stuff. Oh, really? Well, well, Chris, let's hear about the technical aspect of this because that must have been fun trying to set that up in the field. Uh, it was things that I don't actually even know what they were. Like we didn't want to send for our front of house engineer because he lives in Seattle. It just felt irresponsible to make him fly all the way here just for the thing. 
Um, but so then just taking all of our stuff out of storage, plugging it in and some stuff working, some stuff not working, and then trying to rush the, the sunset, trying to get everything done on that day. But it happened. We figured it out. Yeah, no rehearsals for, for three months. So we flew into it and just, that's what you hear is what we sound like without playing together for three months. <laughs> that's pretty fun. And that sort of captures the folk fest spirit, not necessarily for deer tech, deer tick, but for a lot of bands, a lot of the collaborations that, you know, they you're at Salve rehearsing for like an hour and then performing in front of 12,000 people shortly thereafter. Um, so, so I guess in a nutshell, the live stream when people watch this they're kind of getting like a little bit of inside baseball as you guys work through songs is that fair to say yeah there's even a new song um that we're gonna that we that we played that will air uh so yeah and one thing that i've noticed that we do when we play is that each tour kind of um presents itself with different uh parts and different small differences in what we play um so usually it'll take like a couple of days of tour to like find something new and cool to make a, at least for me to make my part in the song specific to that time and that tour. So we kind of had to do that while it was happening. Um, and I think yeah, only one shot to do each thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it was, you're getting a very sped up version of what our band does over usually a month period of time. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out. I think most people will, um, because there's the there's the there's a lot going on. I mean, there's the folk fest radio. There's the Mavis concert. That all this, of course, streaming. Um, you know, so you kind of can connect with everyone at a certain level. You know, for the the folk family, as it's as it, they they want to call themselves, um, can connect in 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 relatively real time. Let's talk about the after parties. So the Blues Cafe. I was I was playing there. Um, I think it was like January or February. And the talk was, hey, this will be the last time you're ever on this stage or you ever walk in here because this venue's not going to be there. And you know, I talked to the owner and it was it was pretty another sort of depressing moment. This is, of course, before the pandemic really struck the, the U.S. at large, certainly in Rhode Island. Um, when was the decision made to shift away from the after parties and kind of was, is that related to the Blues Cafe closing or is it sort of you all moving into a new phase yourselves? You can take this one, Chris. Uh, I think it was decided before we heard that the Blues Cafe was going to close. It just felt like we had been doing these parties and 10 years was the time to say that it was enough and to move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we, we had known about this idea for probably at least a year that it was going to be, you know, like our big finale. Um, we just kind of felt like if we were going to keep moving forward with the band and doing new things that we need to evolve a little bit. It isn't to say you won't see us at the folk fest here and there, uh, as long as Jay will get us into the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he lets us in. Well, yeah. I mean, like, you know, let's, let's hand it off to some, some younger guys too. Like we, younger guys and girls, we don't really, um, you know, we, 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 we have some new ideas, some new places to go. Well, that's exciting. You know, yeah. Deer Tick is, is a band that, you know, really has just kind of personified the organic, true indie growth process, at least from my vantage point. You know, I remember I was in Brooklyn and 
when Born on Flag Day came out, I remember the Brooklyn Vegan, you know, really intense coverage. It seemed like there was some some um, ad work done there, and it was just like, oh wow, this band from Providence is now like at the epicenter of the conversation, and the music started to just really feel like it was it was just driving a lot of other artists um, in terms of the narrative, in terms of the the, the rawness of it. Um, you know, kind of getting out of the shins oriented aughts and into this new place of, of a little bit more authenticity, I guess, in songwriting and, and just the sound. So now 10 years later, more than 10 years later, what's next for, for a deer tick? Where do you, where do you go from here? Um, well, we built our own recording studio in, in Nashville behind John's house. Uh, and right before uh, this pandemic hit, actually right on the cusp of everything getting shut down, um, we were down there making some pre-production demos. We're we're just probably going to continue what we always have done. We just now have the ability to do it on our own terms. Um, and we're free agents at the moment for as far as record label goes. So we're yeah. just kind of um, we're really excited about the new music we're making. I think people, all types of different people, will like what it sounds like. What do you and think? The music, not the music of. 20 something year olds, but the music of 30 year olds have been exactly, yeah, living as like, rock stars for <laughs> a decade. Yeah. <laughs> when the new stuff kind of reminds me of um, seeing Tom Petty hit the end of the 80s or something like that, like Full Moon Fever, just in that, like, his he started to change and almost like his his voice started to change a little bit. I don't know, there's something about it that reminds me of that, that process of growth. Um, it just feels like we're still a rock band, but we're our trying to make a record about being in our thirties. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You know, and I think it's fun for a band to, to evolve and, and in real time, you know what I mean? And obviously it's, if you're some kind of corporate band, you know, you have the expectations of here's the product we're selling. Here's the candy that we're manufacturing to sell to a consistently certain demographic, you know what I mean? Of whatever, 16 year olds. Um, but I feel like your audience, while it certainly will expand and, and younger people as in 12 to 18 year olds will get on board, we're all getting older, you know, the core of that deer tick movement. So it's, it's kind of cool to have that soundtrack. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that it's, it's actually been really fun for, it's like interesting for me to like look back on the music that we we're making in our early twenties. And like, I, I know it was super intentional and like, people can think that maybe like we changed our sound a couple times here and there per records, but it was very intentional and we're still doing that intentionally trying to take the next step into a, into a new light, I guess. I don't know how else to put it. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we're in this uh, moment now that's obviously with social justice. I feel like COVID-19 factors into that conversation because we saw so much here in Rhode Island and everywhere, but we saw it here in Rhode Island where it was like, okay, you know, as the pandemic, as we started to get our a basic understanding of it, it was certain zip codes, you know, parts of Providence, Central Falls, Pawtucket that were most impacted by this. And it just sort of illuminated social inequity that here in our small state of Rhode Island is kind of on display um, for everyone. Then obviously George Floyd and just the spark sort of just became an inferno. And now we're in this extremely serious social justice moment in our history. So how does deer tick factor into all of that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? 
Chris, you're silent right now. You mean as a band of a bunch of white men? Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we are. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I have a off offhand answer for that. I, th- I think the one thing I can say is that we're, I think all bands is specifically bands full of white cis men, um, that it's a time for us to really commit and to draw a line in the sand, even though, I mean, tons of bands are going to lose some fans over standing with Black Lives Matter and standing with LGBTQ rights. Um, but I, we felt a, we had an internal conversation and like we all have our personal politics aren't really a mystery to most people if you look at our social media. But it was our time to try to just, um, I don't know, uh, be a part of the puzzle of all these uh, different industry people who have uh, benefited from the color of our skin and try to help other people who have had a harder time existing, especially in the music industry. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the most sincere thing that you can do, you know, besides just trying to elevate voices. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. What's up, B-Town listeners? Whether you're gliding around downtown Providence, on your way to a socially distant cookout, or riding the waves of Matunic, okay, well, maybe not inside the ocean, wear a mask. It's an easy way to save lives and help to crush COVID here in Rhode Island. All right, folks, using this moment to let you know about a new podcast series from Bartholomew Town coming later this year, 2020. I know, what a year, right? Well, here's some good news. Songwriters Club is heading to your favorite podcast app pretty soon, and it's going to be me with some of your favorite songwriters breaking down tunes, the craft itself, and who knows what else. Songwriters Club by Bartholomew Town coming later this year. Now, the best way to keep up on this information is to follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Bill Bartholomew. Back to Newport, I guess Rhode Island at large as a music community. It's been through, it's evolved so much. You know, there's been different real intense phases through the 90s and then the, the early 2000s. Noise rock, quote unquote, really exploded here. And then all of a sudden this moment happened with like Deer Tick mixed in with a lot of these indie folk cats, so to speak. Um, Where are we going? And is Rhode Island going to remain this sort of hub of creativity where, you know, it's not producing thousands of hit singles a decade or anything like that. It's just, but it is continuing to produce these really um, sort of long lasting projects and bands and artists. Um, Where where does, where do you see that going right now? I mean, it can be beyond Providence because Newport also has a lot going for it in that context. Um, yeah, there is so much good stuff happening in Providence and in Newport. Um, I could name a bunch of them off the hand, uh, you know, Nova One, Ravi Shavi, Z-Boys, so much good stuff. Um, I'm not sure where it's going because it seems like a lot of the scenes have become really fragmented from where they used to be, especially like only Onyville scenes used to be a little more inclusive. Chris, you can probably speak more to that. Well, especially in the midst of pandemic, it's hard to see like, Communities, I think, were a big part of what has come out of that. Uh, and it's hard to see where this pandemic is going to go, especially with live music and like the nurturing communities thereof. But I feel like in general, Providence is unique in that it's like a city state. Like the whole, the greater community that is a state is kind of centered around the city. And so like there is this accessible point 
for people to come together in whatever neighborhood or group as we did when we were younger. We just like found our people and then everybody kind of riffed off everybody else. And um, I think communities like that or like what happened in the nineties or even before that will continue to happen. But if I knew what it was going to be, then I would be part of it. But thankfully right. not. it's going to be new and different and it's not going to be the deer tick sound. It'll hopefully be something fresh and beautiful and not look like me. Yeah. I get the sense that that is where it's heading and that it's going to be, I mean, obviously we don't know, but you get the sense that there's this new mo- moment about to happen at some point um, that'll be fresh in a way, you know what I mean? Cause you know, there are bands that came out of Providence that sounded a lot like a deer tick or, um, you know, a, they kind of tried to carve out a way into the Columbus theater or whatever in recent times. And that n- not to knock that, but that I think that that moment has, you know, we're past that now and we're kind of in this gray area locally anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think the same applies to the folk festival where you wonder what is that next decade, that next phase of the folk fest look and sound like, and it's probably not the guy with you know the the hat and you know the stomp folk and all that. That's there's something else coming, but we don't know what it is, and I just assume it's going to take over at some point. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, one thing that I've noticed, I'm sure that you guys have noticed for the past five years, is how many female. Um, oriented acts with guitars there are which i'm i'm grateful for that most of my favorite recent acts are are females or at least not men <laughs> yeah um, yeah um yeah. and that's not like something that i'm trying to follow some sort of trend or anything like that it just seems like they're the ones doing the best work in the um sonic palette that i enjoy so i think that's kind of been uh not i wouldn't call it a trend at all i would call it like kind of an awakening that just was probably suppressed for a long time and i think the folk fest has been pretty good at being inclusive on that front um, I know bands that are led by people who look like me and Chris and John and Dennis are seem to be trying to be um, whatever power or voice that we have trying to uh, prop up some more diverse voices too because there's just so much to offer that uh, we want to be a part of that scene. We don't want to it seem to look and sound like us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> last area, I guess. Well, independent music venues around the country that are now struggling significantly. Yeah. There's legislation in on the federal level, there's loans, there's this, that, and the other. But the reality is I think the, the map of indie music um, at large is, is, is going to shift. We've already seen some changes, you know, the Saint in Asbury park that closed. Um, and you wonder how many venues of that size, that hundred ish capacity venue can make it through the pandemic any further what's your message out there i guess to to music fans about getting out and supporting either now through just donations or or karma or when when we're able to get back out to shows what you know how to support a a scene so that it can continue to thrive and make it out of this this dark period here you want to go first chris well when we can go out and see shows. I hope that everyone will have such cabin fever that they'll, that like that problem will just take care of itself. Like if people have money, they're going to spend it and, and hopefully on exciting things like going to see shows and things like that, they can do, but, but yeah, it's hard to say 
um, with so many people out of work right now because of the pandemic, people don't have money and aren't spending money. And then businesses like small venues are can't pay their rent and they're closing. And so it's just like from the bottom, not to the top, but from the bottom upward. Yeah. Not very many people have money to spend and keep things going. So I don't really, but how do you solve that? I'm not really sure. Yeah. One it, thing that I'd like to see more people start doing, because it, it is interesting, like it's, it does suck to be a musician right now that we can't do what we love to do and it's hard to make money. Um, but we have the ability at least to like try to live stream, whereas venues don't really have the content to like, you know, to sell to people virtually. Um, I think something that people should try to explore is like live streaming from venues, from those small venues, because like those hundred cap venues and 300 cap venues, the only way that we ever got to bigger venues without those being in every single like A, B and C market city, we probably would never have been able to be speaking to you right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I saw Brooklyn um, Brooklyn Bowl was doing that, and they looked good. You know, I think Larkin. I know Larkin Poe was that. That's who I saw in there, and I was like, that is, that's a fascinating way to keep things moving a little bit. Is to just just embrace the technology, and you know, you wonder can that happen in Northampton and and Portland right. and Chattanooga? You know, I mean, how how much is too much? But there may be a way to do it as well. I think yeah, as long as we can just get through the end of the year, I hope that, I mean, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the vaccine or whatever, but yeah. hopefully we can start playing shows next spring or whatever. And um, so we just need to get these. And also Congress needs to act as well. Obviously call your congressman. Um, uh, there is a bill up right now, I believe. And uh, it's working on something right now. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I don't know. I think that we need to, we, it's, if all these small businesses go away, there's going to be such a like downfall of so many jobs and so many, I know, wonderful uh, circuits. So I hope we can get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we will. I've I don't know why I think that, but I'm kind of optimistic that we're just sort of in a holding pattern here, and when we come out of it, it's going to be a, a more fruitful market, I suppose. And I think musicians, sh- you know, should get, be paid more, obviously. You know what I mean? That's like, oh yeah, who wouldn't think that? But I think now we're really starting to understand that, hey, look, you know, when the system collapsed back in March before all the interventions came in and people were saying, well, you should have saved up or you should have done this, that, the other. It's like, well, if people really understood the economics of music at any given level until you get to the point where you're, you know, some, some kind of like a, a substantially major artist, you know, um, with with revenue and residuals and this, that, and the other. I mean, it's a tight business. And, you know, if you look at the Folk Fest cast at large, you know what I mean? You're not talking about millionaires on stage, um, you know, when you go around from artist to artist. I think that reality as well should hopefully impact the way the, the industry functions moving forward. I would I hope so anyway. Yeah, I, I think something that people don't understand is the immense overhead it takes to be a touring musician. And like at, at any level too, you know, like what it costs versus what you get paid is a pretty, pretty small margins. Yep. All right, Chris and Ian of Deer Tick. Gentlemen, thanks so much for uh, for hopping on here and look forward to the live stream. Is it airing on Friday or Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. I probably should look that up. It would be bad if we didn't mention that me and Chris are actually playing a live set 
on Sunday in Musquamakit, but uh, before the live stream there at the drive-in. So oh, very cool. come on down if you're in the area. <laughs> nice. Is that something you have to be in your cars for, or can you yeah. actually? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, We're gonna be there, and you stay in your car. Do Go not get out of your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't get on the roof. <laughs> this is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Don't miss live on-location reporting and other daily digital content. Join the Bartholomew Town Podcast Facebook group by heading to www.btown.stream or just search Bartholomew Town on the book. Is that a thing? I'm not sure. And on Instagram at Bartholomew Town Podcast. Daily digital content from B-Town.